0: operators quoted here in British Columbia of eight stores, of which we'll fulfill in the next two months. And then in Alberta, we're rolling really out a pretty ambitious expansion plan by way of about 10 development permits that we acquired late last year, of which we will really focus in on five to eight key A-plus locations. And then Ontario, I think is the hill that we'll never die on. It's one that we really had a tremendous appetite from the get-go to expand into, and we plan on opening probably 10 to 15 stores there this year.
1: From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today in Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing this month's Cannabis Dispensary Spotlight Series with Harrison Stoker from Hobo Cannabis Company. Harrison, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, exciting, and we're glad you're able to take some time out of your day to day to talk to us about Hobo Dispensaries. You're a Canadian chain, so we're very anxious to learn what's, what it's like to run dispensaries in Canada. I guess to get things started, maybe you can just tell us how you got started.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny you started with chain. We've always really shied away from that word, uh, despite being in business for 20 years by way of hospitality businesses, and that's public houses, cocktail clubs barbershops, cafes, restaurants, and uh, we've always taken a pretty unique approach to building our brand and business verticals, and that's a sense of independence. And so out of the 14, 15 pubs that we've got, there's no two that are named the same. And so that's why I say we've shied away from the idea of chain that really fit our uh, corporate culture because we never really use the word corporate either. Yeah. That was until we started a men's barbershop brand called Barber & Co. It's now got seven locations, and so we got a little exposure to the idea of a chain or a multi-door. But 20 years' experience in hospitality certainly sets you up for success as relates to service and human interaction, which was a pretty natural fit for moving into cannabis retail. On top of that, because at a provincial level, after mandated by the federal government, every province was allowed to figure out their distribution method most provinces opted to do it through their current liquor distribution channels and regulators were the same style regulators as well that had handled liquor okay if you were to kind of distill down our group's core competency it's dongley group we are really good at lining leases and licenses which is effectively the first hurdle in getting into cannabis retail we're also pretty agile and nimble and maybe a little bit masochistic in our work ethic. all characteristics and values that were absolutely needed for getting into this emerging market,
1: especially in Canada. I mean, you guys were off to a scramble there to try to get licenses. I know that was it was a real challenge. And is that which the the approach that you use to expand?
0: Yeah, well I mean, obviously we were really familiar with the regulators and the negotiations, you know, navigating the water of licensing by virtue of liquor licensing, but we learned a few hard lessons. The first lesson was we're all new to this in Canada. Everybody was new to this new legal market, and so there was a real process of learning for everybody. Ourselves included, despite having sort of quote unquote 20 years experience in acquiring leases and licenses. So there was certainly a steep learning curve, but as a learning curve that we had sort of put ourselves through before and and were ready to sort of weather that storm by just staying pretty scrappy and independent is really at the core of our DNA.
1: Yeah, and being in the hospitality industry gives you a leg up because you already are comfortable with that aspect of it. Now it's just trying to adopt a lot of those principles that you learned and and have perfected in the hospitality industry to the cannabis industry.
0: Yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, the first principle really is the customer experience and a, a real relentless focus on that customer. There's really nothing more important than that. So we always kind of hold that high and holy. But then operators really genuinely understanding the value of a dollar kind of put us ahead of the pack as well when you had a lot of other sort of public market macro style companies coming in that were a little bit more bureaucratic and, and ready to spend money on places that we don't spend money. You know, every penny counts for our group. Hospitality, the numbers aren't sexy. As we're finding out, the numbers aren't too sexy in cannabis retail either. But if you know how to operate and you know how to pull out operating income through margin, then you're going to be just fine. And that's something we're really good at as well. But customer first, operating second and then differentiation through brand third. and Another thing that I'd say that we probably pride ourselves on is really resonate with the audience that we focus on and developing uh, really disruptive and progressive brands. Hobo certainly is no exception.
1: Yeah, and when you move into a new market, are you doing that as your company or are you doing it as a partnership with other companies that already have licenses or some combination of the two? (laughs)
0: Uh, I mean, if you're taking the license perspective, then it's sort of a hybrid. Hobo Cannabis Company is fully independent, owned by our parent co, Donley Group, for whom I work. But as it relates to licenses, we've got sort of a blend, if you will. So all of our West Coast operations, that's five stores here in British Columbia, be called corporate stores, fully owned by our corporate entity, licenses included. Whereas in Ontario, because of the way Ontario rolled out licenses. This was a lottery allocation. We actually had to enter into brand license and service agreements with our licensees there because they were awarded a license through a lottery process. We didn't win that lottery process ourselves. There was a, re- a lot of really lucky lucky licensees out there uh, that came out on top, thankfully. The ones whom we've entered into agreements with are also smart licensees and they really understand our vision. And so in Ontario, we've got one Ottawa location and we've got three more locations rolling out through Q1 and Q2 this year and those are all through brand license and service agreements with licensees so that's sort of a hybrid model.
1: And I suspect that they're very happy to work with you and take advantage of all your experience. I know your Ottawa store. I don't remember exactly the numbers, but I know I saw someplace it was like one of the highest grossing dispensaries in like within the first 6 months.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, we had a tremendous opportunity to be able to open our nation's capital. It took a lot of hard work to make that happened. And because of the licensing process there, there was 24 licenses allocated uh, with the opportunity to all open on the same day. And that date sort of at first kind of felt like mission impossible. Everyone was going through this process for the first time, including the regulators. So only about 10 or 11 of the 25 actually opened on that date. That was April 1st. We were one of them. And it very quickly catapulted into the best performing store in the nation.
1: I want to take a short break to play you a preview of our next episode and to thank our sponsors
0: so we are expanding to massachusetts and also new jersey we're hoping for the spring but could stretch out into early summer depending on some compliance and regulatory approvals our massachusetts locations are going to be in sharon And the other one is going to be in Plymouth, which is kind of exciting. It's the oldest town in the U.S., Plymouth Rock. And then the other is Elizabeth, New Jersey.
1: Tune in on Thursday to hear the next episode of the Biotrack Cannabis Dispensary Spotlight Series with Anthony Marcico from Zen Leaf Dispensaries. And now let's get back to today's show. I think it keeps coming back to that experience that you had in the hospitality industry and taking advantage of the things that you learned there and applying them to this industry. I want to switch gears here quickly while we still have a minute. In the United States, every state has different laws, and it makes it super difficult for multi-state chains. Do you see similar challenges in Canada?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're looking for a glimmer of hope in universal standardized streamlined processes up here in Canada, you're not, not going to find <laughs> it at the federal level. Dealing with licensed producers, it's a, it's a lot more standardized across the board but provincially or interstate like it would be in the U.S. it's really dramatically different and there's two key things that are different. One of those is means of distribution and that is shared sort of half and half between the producers and the retailer. Most provinces have opted to regulate distribution themselves through their liquor board so using their supply chain logistics and systems through their liquor software and their liquor facilities. The other thing that's different interprovincially is the retailers' terms and conditions. And so every province was permitted their own interpretation of the federal Cannabis Act and were allowed to kind of build out their own unique terms and conditions. And believe me when I say they all interpreted it very differently. (laughs) Uh, We're now operating in three provinces. So we've got some pretty detailed idea of how different those interpretations are. Mm -hmm. And so... It's been a pretty fun rollercoaster ride, trying to get creative around all of these constraints.
1: Well, the advantage of getting through these barriers is that you're unlocking the code. You're cracking the code. And it'll make <laughs> it, well, I, I mean, it's not easy. And if you do it and other people don't, it gives you an advantage. And speaking of an advantage, what are your plans for expansion this year?
0: Lots. Let's just go ahead and do lots of that. (laughs) The Canadian market's really emerging. And what's really interesting is you kind of look back at last year, 2019, start to paint a picture, a little bit of a doom and gloom picture. And it was a lot of the accountability there was around a lack of access. So you had a lot of really large public market companies, specifically licensed producers, those cultivating the product that kind of really went through the throes they came out of 2018 with these spectacular valuations and then they were completely unable to meet it from sales velocity and operating income perspective because there just wasn't enough cannabis being purchased in canada because there weren't enough retail outlet and so one thing that was really slow last year was the rollout of retail. There's a lot of conditions that kind of factor into this, but obviously policy and regulations really slowed things down. And so now a lot of that is starting to change and retail is starting to genuinely roll out. And we now have another opportunity to go back to market and take this first mover status again and drive it home. And so we have an operator's quota here in British Columbia of eight stores of which we'll fulfill in the next two months. And then in Alberta, we're rolling out a pretty ambitious expansion plan by way of about 10 development permits that we acquired late last year, of which we'll really focus in on five to eight key A-plus locations. And then Ontario, I think, is the hill that we'll live or die on. It's one that we really had a tremendous appetite from the get-go to expand into, and we plan on opening probably 10 to 15 stores there this year. Whoa, this year? Yeah this year.
1: That's a big endeavor. Are you raising money for this or are you guys self-funding this?
0: Absolutely, we're raising money, yeah. We've got a, a handful of business verticals under our umbrella and it's always been really important to us for them to act independently and as such we operate from day one less like a public market style company and more like an entrepreneurial style company as we are. We're still fully independently owned. We've done two small raises, Uh, for a whole cannabis company to date. We're doing a third raise very shortly to capitalize this Ontario expansion plan. The two raises to date allowed us to execute on BC and the upcoming Alberta expansion, but Ontario is really where we want to focus. Keep in mind, we went to Ontario about five years ago with hospitality. and started to build out a pretty robust framework there, of really great pubs, barbershops, cocktail clubs. So we've got to, excellent talent pool that we've been developing over the last almost five years they're just sort of foaming in the mouth ready to go because yeah. the skill set is highly transferable from hospitality to retail
1: and you have boots on the ground you have already have infrastructure in these markets which is boots which is, on the ground take it from me that is very difficult to put in place it doesn't happen overnight we could talk forever we will have all of Harrison's and Hobo's information in the show notes and also on the MJ Bull's website so if you If anybody wants additional information or to reach out to them about possible investments, you can get all that information right there. Harrison, this is really exciting stuff. You're killing it up there. Good for you.
0: Hey, you're telling me we're (laughs) we're having a little bit of fun at least while, while we're still at it, you know.
1: Well, thanks for being on the show
0: today. Hey, my pleasure.